0: I'm Brandon Munro. I'm the CEO of ASX Listed Bannerman Energy Limited. We're developing the Atango Uranium Project. It's a large-scale, long-life, large scale, long life, large all body project in Namibia, the third largest uranium producer in the world. And I'm here with my colleague, Olga Sklyakova, who has just recently joined us as Vice President of Market Strategy. Thank you, Brandon. Yes, I just
1: recently saw you in the diner in here. Very happened? Been in the team because, uh, first of all, I like to work in this startup business because it's very diverse and a lot of new uh, and exciting union and job responsibilities are involved. But I've joined, I joined uh, Bannerman as VP at market strategy. So my main responsibility will be market, market development and uh, business. Good. Well,
2: lovely to meet you. So there's some intelligent commentary at last, I, I spoke coming our way. Um, we, we, we've always been, um, talking with the, with the Banama story for some time now, so what, you've told us what you're going to do, where have you come from, what's the experience that you're bringing to the table?
1: Well, I, I just recently joined Bannamann leaving World Nuclear Association, uh, where I worked for nearly seven years and I was responsible for the production of the, uh, World Nuclear Association nuclear fuel reports. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, um. Yeah, you probably know this publication very
2: well. Yes, I saw one this morning.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, and it will be officially presented tomorrow at the World Nuclear Association Symposium. And this is uh, the publication that looks uh, at the front end uh, uh, of the nuclear fuel cycle, uh, and uh, we oversee the all stages of um, all stages that uranium goes through the nuclear fuel yeah. cycle. Starting from mining, conversion, enrichment, secondary supply as well, and fuel fabrication, and uh, the, the one of the major and the most interesting parts is also to speak about the projections of uh, how nuclear industry itself will be developing. So how the demand will grow or fall. So luckily, since I joined World Nuclear Association, the demand is growing steadily. Yeah. So that's very exciting.
2: I take credit for that, for you. It it is growing. The report is actually fantastic. I did get a sneak preview today and now it's being announced somewhere. But um, it's a great report. It gives the whole market, I I guess, a big degree of confidence about the demand coming through. And it it doesn't really even measure on the SMRs, which I think we we layer that on top. And it's a very exciting time to be getting a roll check. No, we're going to talk today about Bannerman. Okay. So apologies now for some of the terrible in jokes. But we've been following this story. It's really exciting a uh, culmination of a lot of work over the past few years and from some of the people in the background here as well. Um, you, What I'm interested in is timing the market, being in control of how you time that market with the aid of capital, which gives you optionality, but more importantly than that, what you've done with the project today. So maybe just for people new to this, remind us where Banoan is today and then we'll talk about how you kind of manage that process going forward.
0: Well, it's a fantastic week, Matt, to be here talking to a whole range of industry bodies with a shovel-ready advanced project. Yeah. Right Right. Oh, so I should say, we are at the WNA conference, aren't we? Yeah, so everyone's here. London. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, unusual. So, that's right. It's, yeah, You know, we yeah spent the last couple of days in working group meetings, in other WNA advisory group meetings, and kicking off in about an hour is the World Nuclear Association Symposium. The backdrop for us as an advanced project in Africa could not be better. First of all, we've got significant anxiety becoming emerging, uh, emergent from and evident from utilities and other market players. A couple of years ago, that just wasn't the case. We could easily see it over the horizon, but it wasn't right in front of them, impacting their attitudes, impacting their actions. With uh, recent developments in other parts of the world, Including transport issues in Kazakhstan, including political issues in Niger, uh, two of the largest uranium centres in the world, there's a real resurgent recognition or a remembering of the importance of a diversification of supply. Utilities want to bring new supply on, in particular from Namibia, which has been producing uranium for more than forty-five years and it's known as a reliable supplier it's known as a supplier of uranium that can be sold anywhere in the world to any parties and we are really at the forefront now with with a couple of projects unfortunately um hitting hurdles for some of those reasons we're now very much at the forefront of fully environmentally permitted we've done all of the technical work definitive level feasibility pilot plant operating for several years, and now advanced front-end engineering and design work. We're ready to start talking to market players and utilities and saying, the last bit is up to you. The last bit is market conditions and showing us that uh, you
2: need it. So so we are here, along with a lot of US utility buyers, they're they're, they're 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 crawling over this, trying to work out what's going on, because they have been impacted with. Obviously, Niger five seven percent of world, world supplies. It's it's a big deal that obviously off the back of Russia Ukraine it's a big deal. And trying to find you know supply partners who are reliable, they can deliver what they say they're going to deliver is 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 a, is a big part of this. You're going to be involved in, I imagine, a lot of those conversations. So what what do you think? Olga if I if I if I may. Um, they are concerned about? What do they need to find out? What, do they need, what reassurance they need from a, a, a Bannerman that perhaps Bannerman is the partner to play with?
1: Well, when we say we deliver, we will deliver for sure. That's no question. And uh, yeah, so the, the project is uh, moving uh, smoothly and steadily and I'm happy that we be in a very advanced stage of the and band engineering design. And uh, and of course we are waited for our mining license when the uh, Bannerman. Um, I think we will be able to move into um, the discussions with our future partners. Right. And uh, yeah, no, 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 it's going on. And and of course, you know, when the business is starting, we can understand their their difficulties. Mm. But uh, I joined Bannerman because I know Brendan for nearly seven years, and I trust him, and mm. I trust the company, and I also uh, got acquainted with the board. I see how experienced people work there. Uh, and, uh, they have uh, massive experience, our oh, chief operational officer, again, Chamberlain has massive experience. And when I see this team, you know, and when, when, if you talked with these people, you would understand that they complete yeah. the project.
2: So this answer, those are the kind of key drivers for, for you and I asking for, you know, some of the, the, buyers too, they want that kind of reshires, that kind of steady, confident, conservative, uh, movement forward. So, um. It, when is the time to, to is it we need to get the license in hand before we can have yeah. meaningful conversations i you know where they are they know where you are but is is that the kind of stepping point for them to move things forward meaningfully?
1: yes absolutely so i think the time is always right because uh, the nuclear industry is a very specific industry right so yeah. you can't uh, sign the contract within a couple of days yeah, yeah and uh, with with some uh, companies you're working for ages so when waiting when there is the window open and you have the possibility to have the, to proceed to the, you know, discussions and yeah. uh, and to come to an agreement. So, uh, and um, the nuclear industry is also, it's very interesting because the contracts themselves are there long term, right? So in order to sign a long-term contract, sometimes you need to wait for the long time. So, uh, once uh, our, oh, the, the, the entire team is working to make it happen, mm-hmm. it's already time to start talking with uh, the partners, right. establishing these relationships and, and so on. And, uh, being ready, they should know that we are ready when we will be ready. And, uh, they should be able to come to us and say that, oh, uh, we want.
2: Okay. So it's not, it's a kind of s- slow run up. So to help these conversations need a license. What's the process? Because you've you never kind of rushed into things and then had to stop and sort of look around and well, what, what are we doing now? It's a case of we will time this and you have been timing this and you've raised money at the right time so make sure you're not under financial pressure to do something silly. So license process for you is what? When do you do it? How long does it take typically uh, in Namibia for these processes to run of
0: course? Yeah, so first of all, on the environmental side, we have all of those licenses. All mm-hmm. licences to build the mine, to operate the mine, even down to the environmental clearance that you need to build the temporary water pipeline to start yeah. turning concrete. That's all fine. And that's all, uh, in place. And they tend to be the long lead items in our sector, in the uranium sector, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. So if I was to be anxious about a license, I'd be anxious about an environmental clearance. Okay. Uh, the mining license. Um, uh, we lodged it about a year ago with the Ministry of Mines and Energy. That's a fairly typical amount of time. Uh, unfortunately under our mining act in Namibia, there is no specified 90 days, this 120 days. Right. What we found and we were in, well, as everyone who follows your energy show knows we were in Namibia last week yeah. and the ministry is very overwhelmed at the moment. And Namibia is a relatively small country as you know, cause you've been there and yeah. They're receiving a large number of prospecting license applications, so we're we're needing to be a little bit patient, and we're okay with that. Uh, We still feel that this market has a lot of potentiality that it's going to show Mm. in terms of development of price and development of term contracting conditions, where you would see floors, where you would see ceilings, where base price escalated contracts are going to be written. and so we're really, we've at this project since 2006, you're quite right. We are willing to be patient and there's really only two remaining factors. One is the mining license and that's well in train. And then the other one is pricing that we think optimally reflects the potentiality of this sector. Right.
2: And then what you've also got to do is time it for the financing, guys and gals, because they won't comfort that there are, Contracts in place, certainly cover the kind of capex requirement, or certainly the 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 equity. The, the, well, the, I guess the equity index is treated slightly slightly differently, but you want to see those contracts in place so that, then informs given your process you've been through with the um, the the engineering studies, etc., and then FID, Whenever you kind of ready to press that button, how, how soon, given the length of time these relationships have to be formed, how soon do you feel you need to? advanced conversations so you've got some sense of whether it be a indicative terms or not that can cover that kind of categories. Do you know what I mean? Is that kind of arbitrage sure between how do you time that and how do you get enough? You don't need to sign up the whole, you know, it's a big project. You don't need to sign it all away. You need to sign enough of it away. So when do you start that?
0: It's, it's a very ongoing process. So as August said, These relationships, these partnerships, they're long-term. They've got long lead items. Mm. Where we've got a real advantage is that a tango is very well known in the sector, unknown in the sector, Olga's exceptionally well known in the sector. So we're not starting from a standing start. And, um, there's two things you need when you're contracting. The first thing is you need a price or terms and conditions that you're happy with. The second thing that you need is liquidity. You need the appetite from multiple utilities across the sector coming in at a time when you're ready to have the conversations, when you're able to have the conversations because you've got what's in place to be able to deliver. Yeah. And so that's what we think we've timed well. Right. And but you, you've got to pick a price at which you're happy to go just
2: for the first tranche, as it were. The first contracts can be, or was it lower price, you expect the market to keep moving so you don't want to give away all of the upside. so you just had enough. For, for for now.
0: And when you... So, is it, obviously, clearly on a search, right? But I think we're all... Well, yes. Pick a, a private, price. I'd say pick pick a range price. Right. Because remember, yeah. we're in a sector where at the moment you can write contracts at attractive prices in terms of where the walls are and where the ceilings are. Yeah. But as spot price goes up, that stack goes up as well. Yeah. So there is an opportunity to time it so that you are getting um, potentially some attractive base price Escalated contracts. Um, that base price is not at a level at the moment where we would be happy to lock in base price escalated contracts. Mm. But we are seeing the stack of floors to ceilings yeah. starting to come into the zone that right. I think shareholders would be happy with.
2: Yeah. And the, and the size of the. I don't know who wants to answer this. i happy for you. There. The size of those contracts, because obviously it's it's a first time production for the, for this asset. So therefore. You know, you're not going to be a utility I'll take the lot, please. It's not going to happen. you got to prove yourself. So in terms of the size of those expected contracts and therefore the number of utilities or buyers that you'd be expecting to deal
0: with would be, was. Hence so what you talking about, because I mentioned before that there's a strong desire from the utilities to bring new production into the oh. market. Um. The larger utilities in it are in a position to offer both slightly more flexible terms, mm-hmm. um, but also scale. If they've got a big contract portfolio, then they can they can quite conceivably um, offer a half a million pounds per annum contract, for example. Mm-hmm. And once you've got one or two of those, you can fold in and build in the portfolio. Right, and those portfolios can be anything from fifty to two hundred and fifty thousand pounds per annum. Okay, uh, so, And then they've all got bells and whistles and they've got flex associated with them and delivery windows and all of the complicated stuff that Olga needs to get on top of when she's in those discussions, right, negotiations.
1: Yes, and look, and I think the question is not about the quantity, right? Because you rightly said that uh, we need to show ourselves mm. and uh, they, we we should establish that we are well-known and the, the company is well-known and uh, Namibia is very advantageous country to well. work with, we still, we are at a startup level, right? And mm. we need to start producing and uh, to to make the first deliveries done. Huh. So, yeah, we, we can responsibly speak about uh, long-term contracts, speaking about and it, it will be 10 contracts and maybe five years, maybe longer-term mm-hmm. contracts, uh-huh. uh, but uh, maybe at the beginning, the um, uh, amount for the delivery will not be massive, but it's it's good to start with
2: Right, and tell me this then, with the, with because this that we're not talking about can you explore, can you find, can you make discoveries? we're we're way past that. We're on. We're going to produce, and that's a question of the economics and the financing, right? So this, but the fascinating I mean, these discussions are important. You were right, was very, very important in terms of the economic success of the company, right? So with 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 these sorts of um, contracts, how much leverage do you have, given the kind of economic backdrop in which you're having this conversation? That, that you know. The geopolitical situation, Nigeria, Russia—you name it—it's it's got a bit messy. How much leverage does that give you? You know, what t- does it change the tone and nature of the conversations? And how much leverage is left? Because I'm, I'm intrigued by this: is it a seller's market, is it a buyer's market, or is it just crossing over now?
1: That, that's a very interesting question. You know, um, yes, of course. Uh, generally speaking, there are always either sellers or buyers, but while buy like nuclear industry, it's because it's partnering market. Yeah. Because uh, in nuclear industry, if we speak about utilities and fuel suppliers, no matter who they are, which the uranium or converters or enrichers of fuel fabricators, we are all or, or both parties are very largely interdependent right. and interconnected, and I would say intersupport because
2: but they're both they're also both interprofit, so I'm trying to work out. Profit.
1: <laughs> yes, so, and why I'm saying this because they are very, you know, it's not straightforward relationships. It's a lot of uh, delicate discussion and a lot of what we can bring to the utilities and what utilities can bring to oh, us yeah. right. and the the piece of art is to find uh, and to find the meeting ground where yeah. both parties will be interested, right? And it is not sometimes just price. Okay. It is not sometimes just. What are the problems you're solving for them if it's not? So when we are speaking about utilities, first of all, utilities they also have their portfolios, right? right? And when they look at their contract portfolio, they look about different pricing mechanisms, right? And maybe sometimes the new contract that they are concluding, it's maybe at a little bit high price, but. It is very stable jurisdiction but right. they want to have geographical diversity they want to have suppliers diversity they want to have new suppliers coming to the market and they are ready to pay this premium to so
2: it's a re- the- risk risk premium
1: uh, it is not risk premium it's de-risking premium de- because it. they want to have uh, new suppliers to come yeah and to make the free diversity to their portfolios right Okay. And- New uh, countries as well, geographical yeah. location, a new pricing mechanism within their portfolio. So maybe fixed price can be for someone high, but it will be a great fit to this particular portfolio of this particular utility. So yeah, it is not price dumping, right? No, no, never.
2: No, no, no. I and then coming kind to of the kind of fl- the flip side of that in terms of what a company like you needs needs yeah. from those discussions in terms of signaling to the market, in terms of the public markets, which is, it, it, do you look at the quality of the partner? Because sometimes there are traders who can solve your problem financially, but don't necessarily solve your problems in terms of giving confidence yeah. to the public markets that this is A rated, et cetera. So that part of selection is important, right?
1: Yeah, so the, the uh, of course uh, the partners for us, the long-term partners is is the key. Right? right. And of course, when we are looking at the utilities, and utilities can be interested in us when they have long-term prospects. Right. When they are speaking, either they extending the lifetime of their new reactors or new utilities coming, like Poland, right? Yeah. So, and uh, new new projects they're building, SMRs they're building, and so on. So, And uh, uh, this is on one hand. On the other hand, what uh, we can bring in terms of ESG, for example, because... Uh, many utilities are now speaking about deco- deco- decarbonizing of their, wow. um, you know, electricity portfolios and so on. And they are looking about what they are giving to their customers, but on the other hand, they are looking at what suppliers can bring to them in order to meet their goals in front of their suppliers. Right. And Vanerman is uh, a, a, is an exceptional company in this respect. And uh, I've been looking at what Brendan and the, the team was doing in terms of energy, social responsibility, you yeah. know, investing in terms of giving, helping the country where they're working. Yeah. So not just taking, but giving. It. And it's very important. And uh, utilities value this. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the partners value that, not necessarily utilities, but it depends on the philosophy within the company with which...
2: Right. And, 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 tell, me, and tell me this, there will be a lot of inexperienced utilities coming through there's a lot of nuclear, we've talked on it many, many times. Uh, there's a lot of countries that are getting back, either back into nuclear or switching, or switching or moving towards nuclear for the first time, right? There will be SMRs, pro- probably, in a lot of those instances. Therefore, you're going to have people in positions in some of those countries who don't necessarily understand how to put this together.
1: I wouldn't put it this it's, way. Because you know it's, it's going to be
2: harder, let me put it like that.
1: Either because nuclear industry, we are blessed to work with extremely smart, well-educated people. And when a new company is coming, no, no I'm looking at him. I say, not everyone. <laughs> Mostly, yeah. <laughs> okay, again. When a new company or newly utility is developing, of course, though, look at and how many people they brought from the United States, you know, uh, lots of advisors, experienced mm-hmm. people. So you're never alone when you are in the nuclear industry and it's very supportive. And when it is uh, a new, newcomer country, it's very supportive from various uh, okay. organizations like HIE, renewable nuclear station, so regulators, policy builders and so on. So the the country is not alone and the company is never alone
2: Yeah. For sure. Interesting. Okay, this good. This is the kind of insight we've not had ever on, 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 on this show. Um, let's go back to the com- company though, because you obviously got a, f- a few more things to, to advance. So we're not. We won't ask about timing, because that's a question or function of the the market response in terms of pricing. This sort of contracts that you can you can get. And you you. I guess next week yeah. you'll be touching it, feeling feeling that out. Um, what are the kind of long poles in the tent for you? What are the, what are the kind of risks still out there? Because we've seen some risks appear out of left field from nowhere, a lot of curveballs coming out of out of this. For you, in terms of that management and, and de risking or your ability to move forward, what's it going to come from? It's not going to be from coups. Let's let's
0: put it that way. Not in the media. Right? Because we, we, again, we, someone talks about. Yeah, I mean, look, it's worth touching on that because not everyone who's watching this will be au okay fait with Africa because <laughs> <laughs> bigoted four different countries. West Africa is, well, Nigeria is 5,400 kilometers yep. from Namibia. Uh, it's totally different uh, form of Africa. It's West Africa, freight where Southern Africa. It, I could go on and on. But in summary, Namibia has been independent for 30 years. It's never even contemplated the idea of a coup, let alone had a coup or a failed coup. It's an extremely different environment to West Africa. Hmm. Um, but it's important that people understand that. And I'm not just saying that. I've lived there for more than five years. I've been going to Namibia for many years, other parts of that. So Namibia's um not one of the long poles in the tent in terms of things yet to be
2: achieved. Yeah, and the only reason I bring that up because I think when we first started talking, 2019, it, it had been labelled, some newsletter it, AK-47 Africa, right? So it's very, very nice to sort of... Broad brushstroke from i have never been there, never worked there. Let me give you an
0: It's It's a tough one, right? were there last week, I got in on Sunday and we left on Friday night. I didn't see a single firearm. Not a single firearm. So it's not a case of, oh, I didn't see any bandits with AK-47s. Huh. Um, I didn't see any police or military people. We went to a function that the president was at. And we didn't even have our bags checked. Yeah. Yeah. That was shocks. Yeah, We, we, um, that's how safe it is. There were, what, 500 people in that function? Yeah, it was. At least, you know. Uh, everyone wanders in. No bags checked, no metal detectors, no nothing. So it's, it's just a totally different regime. And um, you wouldn't do that in Australia, let alone Namibia. But people mm-hmm. are very peaceful, um. Yeah, and I'll i back that. I
2: saw it for myself last year. It did it, yeah. it really. And I just want to make that point because it's too easy to go kind of to broad brush stroke, ridiculous statements like 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 that. So coming on to things which we
0: need you need to do, what are they? So if you run through the list, all of the technical work then done. Uh we're very fortunate to have access to a low cost um form of processing, and that's heat bleaching. We ran a Pilot plant on that that you've seen with your own, you've climbed to the top of it yourself. We ran that for several years. Yeah. So we've put beyond all doubt the effectiveness of that heat bleaching and utterly de risked the process with an enormous amount of test work. Um, the engineering has been done exceptionally well to a definitive level. We're now working on front end engineering and design. Now, what that does is a couple of things it buys us, it, it gives us time in the sense that. It's The alternative is to wait until we've got finance and use that debt funding to draw it from the financiers and then start doing the front-end engineering and design. We wanted to get that done now. We had a big cash balance and still do, and we could fund that and keep us moving forward, again, to maintain this very unique position that we're in, which is large scale, large scale production, and ready to start when the utilities need us to start. Um, the, usually the biggest poll, and we talked about this, that usually the biggest poll in the tent is your environmental approvals. And we have all of that. The infrastructure uh, in our CapEx, we have um, allowed for the construction of a water pipeline. The diesel plant, which is already built, has excess capacity that we've been offered. Uh, the other forms of infrastructure, like where you, you've been to our site. So you know that the power lines are almost right there. We just need a short little spurt. You know, that the highway goes, that dual carriageway highway goes all the way down to port. Um, Walfish Bay port has been exporting uranium for 45 years and still does so for by the time we're in production, three other mines. So there's a good consistency of class seven shipping coming back. So when you start to run through all of these things, you then talk about team. Mm-hmm. And Namibian uranium experience is not easy to come by. Namibia is a small country. Uranium experience has washed out of the sector over the last 20 years. But we've got that experience exactly where we need it. You know, you've obviously got Olga and myself who are deeply embedded in the nuclear sector. Um, on the ground, our managing director in-country, Werner Ewald was the head of mining for Rossing Uranium Mine, which is still, Rossing is still the closest analog to the mine that we will build. Our single biggest cost, mining. We've got the guy who ran mining at the mine that's closest to what we're building. Our chairman in country, Mike Leach, he still has a very active involvement in everything that we're doing. He was a managing director of Rossing Uranium Mine. The most recent very large-scale mine that was built in country is the Husab uranium mine. Um, that was the $2.2 billion takeover of extract resources in 2012. So who have we got from that? We've got Norman Green, who heads our technical uh, steering committee. Norman was the CEO of Swakop Uranium, the project developer, when it when it. constructed and our COO is Gavin Chamberlain who built the HUSAB project on behalf of the EPCM joint venture. It was more than a $2 billion um, uh, capital, so it was a joint venture between what's now Wood PLC um, and another large-scale, Bateman, another large-scale South African engineering firm. Um, So with those key uranium hires in place, We can now afford to take some uranium people, but some general mining skills. As long as we've got the uranium experience in those very key positions, there's a couple of others that we need to ensure, understand uranium, radiological health and safety, but we've got the experience where it actually counts. That can be a very big pole in the tent. um, Because, well, you know this, right, because you know everyone in the sector, there's very little yeah, uranium, yeah. gen- genuine uranium. the cry to for help. Absolutely. No, not not
2: just, it's not Namibia, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's Australia, it's it's US. Um, you know, we, we have this conversation every week. Um, you know, it's been a long time. People have retired, gone fishing, or worse, um, gone further out to sea, you know, it, they're not around anymore. So, um, no, I, I understand that. So, um, and so just, just on
0: those people, so then building the workforce is still a long tint. Yep. Long Pole in the tent. Uh Um, Namibia is a small country, but it does have a vibrant mining sector. Uh, We do have three other uranium mines that are constantly training people and um, producing skills that has now formed the bedrock of other mining uh, in Namibia. Uh So there's a reasonable amount of um, uh, mobility amongst those people and... We're not a massive workforce. We'll we'll employ about seven hundred and fifty people compared to much larger numbers at some of those bigger mines. So whilst there's a lot of work to be done there, um, we don't see that as a risk per se. It's just simply something that you know the like Gavin and his team.
2: Okay, so d- talk to people who've not invested in environment yet. Why
0: why you compared to the rest, as it were? Well, I think if you were to take it most simplistically, right now you've seen our share price go up, you know, significantly in the last few months. But if you look at a one-year share, uh, sorry, a three-year share price graph, when sentiment flows have come into the sector, I think it would be fair to describe Vanamun's share price growth as explosive. The reason is that we're well known for our leverage, significant production, three and a half million pounds per annum. It's proximate, as in uh, we're ready to produce once we've got financing. The expansion potential that we have is quite unique. So we can go from three and a half million pounds to more than seven million pounds. It's a very big ore body more than 225 million pounds of resources. In 2012, we defined a reserve of 130 million pounds. Uh, So we're just very, very large with large-scale suction. And uh, if you guys put some numbers on that, when we completed our definitive feasibility study in December last year, at a sixty-five dollar uranium price, we had a NPV. This is now after tax in US dollars of two hundred nine million dollars. You increase that selling price by only fifteen dollars a pound, and that NPV uh, more than doubles to four hundred thirty-five million US. Now, sentiment is such where a lot of the investors that I'm talking to don't see that uh, the spot price is going to stop at that point. And they're investing for scenarios which are higher than that. And so because of that leverage that we've got, that's when uh, an investor's able to include Bannerman as the serious talk, T-O-R-Q-U-E, in their portfolio because of that leverage. You can then talk a lot about the secondary aspects of quality of management jurisdiction to the project. Here to make money, done. Brandon. Here to make money. So if that's the main focus, then that's what I'd direct you to. It's the leverage that we've got in this sector and the fact that it's an advanced project that um, once we've got the mining license, which we're told it will be imminent, um, that's the very last hurdle. And then it's just down to price and profitability.
2: Getting close to that point. which very few are. So I appreciate you coming in. Give that update. Thank you very much. And thank you for the intelligent bit. Yeah. It's really helpful. Uh, I've learned a thing here. Um, so um, hopefully speak to you soon. And maybe even talk me through that fuel report. So I can understand a little bit better. Because there's some good stuff in there, it looks like. But it might get lost on some people. Um, what the opportunity is ahead. Um, get up with us this week. Lots of meetings?
0: Yeah. yeah, It's been frantic. St- I-, I can't tell you how much interest there is right now. It's uh, Yeah. This is undoubtedly an order of magnitude more optimistic than even this time last year. People are finally catching up to what you and I have been talking about. It is time I mean it. Yes.
2: (laughs) No, be good. good. Uh, uh, Thanks for coming in. We'll see you soon, okay? Thanks. Thank you. Cheers.